Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Good morning. Uh, once again, a, a, a real honor to be here um, and to, to, to share uh, information previously from Acts, now from Proverbs, and, and to continue our, our teaching. Um, two promises I'll make for you right now, right off the bat, and this is sort of a part of the contract. Uh, no sports today. <laughs> Promise. And I'm going to keep the, uh, the financial talk to an absolute minimum, and I'm only going to do it once. You're going to hold me to those two things. Uh, and, w- and we'll move on from there. Uh, we'll continue our walk, as Pastor Garth said, through the book of, of, of Proverbs. Uh, we're now uh, Proverbs chapter 3, and today we'll do verses 9 and 10. It's important as we go forward and as we read these verses, uh, we remember Proverbs, short messages of encouragement, advice, and guidance. Uh, the book is designed, as we read, read in the beginning, and as, as you can read uh, at the start of the book, um, to offer wisdom and instruction. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So as we read through Proverbs, uh, remember the nature of the book. This is cautions. This is commendations. Uh, this is guidance. It makes no claims to be promises uh, or contracts. It makes no uh, promises to be uh, transactional. If you, then you. Um, this is a book uh, of guidance. So when we read that together, we enjoy having uh, the choices God provides us as believers, the stations and the statuses, but those are wholly in his hands. There's nothing that we can do to impress or improve upon the station that God has set for us. So what I'm hoping we can do together this morning is take a big bite out of a small but important piece of the book of Proverbs um, and discuss God's generosity and our gratitude. So, uh, if you'll take out your Bibles, please, uh, turn with me. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, we'll look at today's passage. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Fairly straightforward, two verses. We're going to dive in fairly deep. As we, wor- as we read through these verses, we encounter what looks like, at first glance, uh, to be a quid pro quo explanation to ensure wealth. This is how I get this, by doing this. If I do this, I'll receive this, owing to the word then. So linguistically, you see the word then, and you think that's a cause and effect relationship. This happens, then this happens. We see it in, in terms of linear. This, then this. This causes this. Um, and it's interpreted to be uh, a way to uh, get to the end by doing what we see at the beginning. Uh, when I do what the first part says, I get the second part. It's a transactional relationship, the same that we have on a day-to-day basis at work, uh, in business, and certainly uh, when we uh, consume in terms of uh, buying, shopping, uh, or purchasing things. This forms uh, the core of what many of us are familiar with uh, have heard of as the prosperity gospel. Uh, My job is to uh, uh, put forward seed, and God will provide based on what I've done. I'm going to show my faith, and God will provide riches for me. God's going to offer me uh, uh, a return on that directly as a result. 
outside uh, of my personal uh, actions except what I've put into this transaction alone. It takes it out of God's favor. As believers, when we read Scripture, we have to look at passages in terms of the interpretation, so what it, what it meant, in terms of the explanation, what it actually means, and then the application, which is what we can do with it. So let's go beyond what people say the verses say, this prosperity gospel, this idea of we can make wealth. We, we can generate uh, the ability to improve our station. And let's dig deeper and find out what God's message to his children really is. In verse 9, right off the bat, we read the word honor. Honor the Lord. That honor is about us. That's not God's responsibility. That's our responsibility. I know that seems odd, but this is our action. Second Corinthians tells us God loves a cheerful giver, not one who gives out of obligation uh, or is reluctant. The term honor means we're honoring him, not that he is going to honor us. We're the ones doing the honoring. And the word there comes from heavy or burdensome. What we're doing is hard. This is a commitment. We're we're putting ourselves forward. We're putting ourselves out there. This isn't simple. This isn't easy. This is something we're committing to. We're doing the honoring. The verse continues and says the way that we honor is through our wealth. This is a tricky word. That wealth is not what we think of as money, superior uh, ownership. That word wealth um, doesn't speak to money, doesn't speak to riches, doesn't speak to superior having. It speaks to all that God has made us to be. That wealth could perhaps better uh, be explained Uh, Later in Proverbs, we're going to hear, a good name is to be chosen rather than gold or riches, uh, favored uh, better than silver or gold. That's the wealth. The wealth is all that God has made us to be, all that God has given us. Perhaps a better term than wealth would be resources. So if you think of it in terms of resources, what are we talking about here? We're talking about things that are uh, spent, yes, like money. But the other things we spend as well. We spend energy. We spend time. We spend our emotions. All that we have and all that we are is our wealth. God has provided for us in many, many ways. And all of that is our wealth. So building on that, we're honoring God through all that we are and all that we have. Not just the things. First fruits is a term used a number of times in the Bible. It's an agricultural term that indicated the finest example, the first choice. I'm trying very hard not to get into sports here and talk about drafts. I promised you I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to. In modern terms, we could, we could think of it as choice or, or, or the luxury package, the best there is, the top of the line, and also that which is preferred. It means we give back to God the best. We don't give him the remnants. We don't give him what we decided we didn't need or want. First choice. Top of the line. I once heard uh, a pastor describe this idea in terms of having God over to dinner. 
And you invite your family, and God is sitting there, and it's a question of who gets the big pork chop. And it doesn't matter who paid for the pork chops, and it doesn't matter who cooked the pork chops. God gets that pork chop. Now, in your family, it may be uh, a matter of whoever prepared the food gets first choice, gets the first fruits of the meal. It may be uh, assumed that somebody else is going to get the first, uh, first fruits. God's going to get that pork chop. It's also important to understand that it's the spirit of honoring through these first fruits that provides the benefit, not the act. God doesn't make determinations based on how big that pork chop is. Those that honor God with more time, more energy, more emotion, because they've been blessed with more, are not seen as greater in God's eyes. In this way, the worth of the spirit of believers is uniform to God when they honor him regardless of the earthly value. God knows your wealth. He provided your wealth. You're not going to fool him. The filled barns of verse 10, which is further uh, agrarian energy, uh, pardon me, imagery, offer an interesting experiment in context and perspective. We, we hear bursting and we think of value. There's excess. There's so much we can't contain it. It's everything we could ever imagine and then more. But in reality, it's not that God makes us rich. It's that God will provide what I need. It's not more than I need. It's not more than I could ever imagine. It's what I need will be provided. See, the worry of people is, I have a need for this. And if I give God this, I only have this, and it won't meet my needs. And God is saying, it's going to meet your needs and more. We determine, uh, whether it's in Windsor, whether it's in Ontario, Canada, North America, or the world, we've decided we have the bottom up. We can figure out the equation. This is what I need. These are my needs. And as we move along, those needs... Increase. Now we need more cars, and we need a bigger house for all of our children, and we need bigger, faster internet, and we need, 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 need. And somewhere along the line, that need has replaced coveting. We used to use that word a lot. Wanting, desiring. And we decided, no, it's need. That's need. Well, God never said he'd provide everything you wanted. That need that fits into those, that, those barns, those vats, It'll be met. God will meet your needs, and he's never going to ask for more than you need to survive. God ensures provision for his believers that in their worship of him, they will not go without. He's not going to demand that which the the, uh, believers require. The bursting vats, God did that. There's nothing that our sharing of money can do to fill vats. Go back to what this means here. There's nothing that we can do to fill a vat that has to do with money. Those are two completely separate things. The transformation there is God's and God's alone. We can't fill vats with money. God's the one that makes the transformation there. And it's important to remember that. 
In Philippians, we read, uh, my God will, God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. That's our needs. We needed a savior. We got a savior. We have needs on a day-to-day basis in order to meet God's requests and God's expectation of us. Those needs are met. We can get trivial for 30 seconds and talk about faster Wi-Fi and better internet service and a faster car. Those aren't needs. God identified our needs. This is your expectation as a believer, and God will meet those needs. We've all heard the stories of what it means to be a believer and forsaking all and, and, and giving all away to follow him. Those are the needs that are being met. Those are the, the bursting vats. Those are the full barns. In Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, and this may sound familiar, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. A blessing. Not riches, not wealth, not cars, not boats. A blessing with which you can continue to glorify him. As believers, we need to ensure our focus is on the provider, not on the provision. The message in these verses is that believers don't need to worry about not having enough because they gave back to God what was always and remains his. Thinking that we can't give God our best, that we can't honor God with what we have personally, financially, even congregationally, Because we need it. Because we want it. Doesn't just bring our faith into question. Our belief that God will provide for his children and that we are his children. But it takes from God what is his and dishonors him. This whole verse is about honor. And we've identified that there's the potential for us as Christians to say, well, hang on a minute. No, 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 no. I want this. I want. Me. I and we're going to put ourselves first. The imagery, again, of the bursting storehouses of vats reassures believers God will never take what they need, not what they want or think they need, but what is necessary in order to be spiritual, faithful, and obedient to God the Father. Any reading of Scripture that suggests a cause and effect relationship is not only untrue, but it's misleading. It's not just theologically wrong, it's linguistically wrong. That isn't just not what the scripture says. That's not what the words say. Matthew 6.33 tells us, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. He's talking about his glory. So our gratitude for his generosity is what we're talking about here. Take it out of the context of wealth as we see it. Take it out of the context of having. Take it out of the context of owning. Take it out of the context of what I want or have or think I need. Put it back into the context of where does God want me to represent him? Where does Jesus see me and what do I need to provide for the people he wants me to touch? So, We seek first the kingdom, not the return. We seek communion with God, not that transaction. We seek 
to honor him. How do we do that? Here's the application part. How do we honor God? Again, cheerfully, willingly, heavenly. We show our gratitude to God from what he has given us and what he has made us. So let's look at four ways we can do that. First, let us honor God with our time. 168 hours a week. Many of us struggle to make that one hour consistent. One hour out of 168. What's your daily time look like? What was your commute like today? Was that time that we gave? Where's the rest of that first fruits? What's the best time? What's the time that we're committing and we're going, this is the time I'm focused. You get it alone. Not while something else is happening. Not as a side argument. Not in the background. Where's the first fruit time that we're willing to give God? Where's that one-on-one time? Not 10 to 11 on Sundays, but the first fruits of our time every day, all week. Do we honor him in the choices that we that in in the choices we make in spending our time, do we honor him in the priority we give him in our time? If not, let's encourage one another in moving God up that priority list. That's what we can do as a church. Encourage each other in spending that time in providing the first fruits in honoring God with those first fruits. The second thing is we can honor God with our talents, is God being honored by the pursuits that each of us have. For each of us, he sent his son to die, and to each one of us, he gave skills and talents and abilities. I'm not talking about vocations. I'm not talking about professions. I'm talking about skills and abilities and pursuits. What do we do with the time that we have? What do we do with the skills that we have? Where in the day-to-day life do we express to God, this is a skill you gave me, and I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to honor you with this skill that you gave me. Maybe it's worship music. Maybe it's just speaking into somebody's heart. We're not talking about your job. We're talking about the talents that you've been given by God to reach his children. Let's encourage each other in that. All of us have been encouraged or encouraged people simply by saying, wow, you're really good at that. Wow, can you show me how to do that? Well, let's spin that around and let's encourage each other to do that for God. The third thing is our temperament. Does God receive the best of our emotions? Are we willing worshipers? Again, how was the commute this morning? Any construction in anybody's neighborhood? Change the emotions with which you uh, made your way to church? Everybody's children up and ready and prepared to go and dressed and waiting at the door for them? How's our celebration and praise on a daily basis? Are we saving it up? Have we assigned a time and a place to worship the Lord? Or is this something that we're happy doing all day, every day? Coming to God with anything less than a pure and grateful heart is a cue to revisit and reevaluate our emotional practices. God deserves and expects the first fruits, the best of our moods and our emotions and the way that we contact and and commune with with each other. Attitudes, emotions, and temperaments. God gave his son that we might live 
let's approach him with thanksgiving in our souls. Let's encourage each other to do so. Yeah, we're going to have moods. We're going to have them today, probably, if not already. But let's encourage each other to get those moods in check, to, to, to come to the Father in celebration with our temperament. I waited as long as I could. We honor God with our tithes. On the question of money and finances, percentages, and all, all the questions uh, uh, that we pose, that we have, that we ask, I'll repeat, uh, we honor God with our first fruits, that big pork chop. The finances and wages are a gift from God, provided by God to honor him. We return to him in faith and obedience, that which he has made us stewards over. God's money in our hands is still God's money. We honor him when we give willingly and freely and generously. Not as investments, not as sowing seeds to to reap the benefits, not with an expectation or hope of multiplication, but with an understanding that God, not money, will meet our needs. So in in that way, let's encourage one another to seek uh, means to support God's work in our church and in our faith and in our family. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. In his personal Bible, D.L. Moody wrote the following words next to that verse in dark, dark pen. I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. That's honoring God. So, let us, let each one of us strive to honor God in more deliberate and authentic ways. From the wealth, that's the being, not just the having, that he's provided us. Not so that we might receive great prosperity or riches, but so that through him we might know fulfillment in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you in worship and in prayer and in fellowship. We thank you for all that we have and all that we are through you and through your son, Jesus. Lord, we know that our faithful stewardship of what you've given us is more than transactional. It's transformational. It allows sinners like us to enter your kingdom by the blood of your son, and we we praise and thank you for that gift. Father, guide us as we give with our hearts from the best that you've provided, our time, our talents, our temperament, and our tithes. You deserve so much more than we could ever return to you. We pray that you find our offering sincere, Father, not that we be made rich by you, but that we be richer through our relationship with you. Be with us this week as we seek to draw nearer to you through giving you our very best of everything you've given us and everything you've made us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.